Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So, thank you guys for that for that opportunity and being able to answer that way. All right, so we are in the middle of this series, and uh, uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about brutal honesty. And the series is called "Aha." I need to put one of these down. I feel like I'm going to talk here and drink that. <laughs> here you go, Brittany. I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> uh, but we've been walking through the parable of the prodigal son, and this, of course, is found in Luke 15, 11 through 32. And uh, and aha is kind of like what what is aha? If you haven't been here, let me tell you what that is. Aha is a sudden understanding or recognition and, or resolution. Right? It's these moments where God grants us the grace for like a sudden awakening. We are are realizing our situation. What follows that? is brutal honesty with ourselves, and the next thing is immediate action. These three elements combined create an aha moment in our lives. Without each one of them, we have no ability to have that aha moment. We are stopped dead in our tracks. And so, you know, over the years, as I've talked to people, uh, their point of aha, I've, I've listened to their experiences and how uh, God has gotten their attention. I've heard those alarms in my own personal life. And, uh, and have experienced them. And so when those three things come together, people wake up and they, and they move. So uh, we talked about the younger son in Luke 15 leaving his father's house and heading off to a distant country where he winds up in a pig pen. This is just the parable itself, okay? And we decided that, the, the, that leaving the father's house was representative of leaving God's ways, leaving his favor, leaving, leaving uh, his ways, and and following our own ways, right? This, these are, are our selfish desires and following after the way we want to do things. And what happens is when we do that, we wind up in a distant country, far from the father's house, and we wind up in a pig pen. Because what happens with the son, uh, since, you, since if you're unfamiliar with the story, is that he spends all of his wealth in wild, undisciplined living, and then he winds up, uh, there's a famine that hits the land, so there's no food, and he winds up working for a pig farmer. He's sitting in a pig pen, no food, and he wants to eat the food that the pigs are being given. And if you are a Jewish kid, which is the audience that Jesus is talking to, you know that this is rock bottom. Because for a Jew to touch a pig, that was like a big no-no, right? Because pigs are unclean. They don't eat bacon or sausage. And I feel bad for them. They do. <laughs> but the son winds up there, and that's, that's uh, where he begins to have this aha moment, right? And, uh, and, and so today we're going to take a look at the second element. Last week we talked about how he had that sudden awakening where he comes to his senses about where he is. And this week we're going to talk about that brutal honesty. So uh, <laughs> any of you ever have somebody in your life be so brutally honest with you uh, that it took you off guard or, or uh, made you laugh uh, like this? Hit this video for me. Okay. Yeah, come in. What's up? Do these jeans make me look fat? No. I think it's just your bigger thighs that make you look fat. (laughs) You ever had anybody be brutally honest with you that way? 
Look, what I'd like you to do is just take 30 seconds, talk to your neighbor or the people around you, maybe share a time where somebody has been that honest with you, and go. Talk amongst yourselves. My guess, my guess about what you're hearing out there is that a lot of these experiences have to do with children. Am I right? Encounters with kids. Kids kind of take the cake when it comes to being brutally honest, don't they? It's like they don't have a filter, nor do they even realize that a filter is necessary, right? I can't tell you how many moments I've had like, oh, geez, just covering my kid's mouth as they speak loudly and point. Why does that guy only have one arm? You know, it's like, oh, geez. <clears throat> don't point. Like, they don't know. But, uh, but so, so I... <laughs> In an effort to provide you some examples, if you are unfamiliar with kids and the kind of honesty that they have, I went to the Google machine. That's google.com. And it does not ever disappoint. It does sometimes provide more than I'm looking for. But in this case, you guys are in luck. I've got some interesting letters from kids. Let's take a look. First one says, Dear Mrs. McMahon, you're a good teacher, but not my most favorite. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Dear Brody, Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is not being sorry because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't. <laughs> this tastes horrible. Yep, note to mom. Dear Abby, would you please be my girlfriend? Uh, I like you a lot. Yes, no, maybe. Please put yes or no or maybe. Uh, Abby responds, I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. Yes, that will probably be a month or two. <laughs> Feel bad for Kyle. Positive ways our family handles stress, suck it up. You sound like anybody else's house or just mine. My one wish is for it to rain tacos. Anybody else like that wish? I love that. That's at your school? Alright, Frankie says, I earn money at home by I don't. I'm a freeloader. <laughs> What's sad, leave it there for a second. What's sad to me about this and hilarious is that he's probably been called that you know, once or twice. Yeah? Alright, hilarious. Go on. Next. The difference between 180 and 50 and 158 is 22. Explain how you found your answer in problem four. Math. I used math. That is correct. I hope you get a lot of presents and a happy Merry Christmas, and you are fat. Thank you. Oh, you better bring my pony this year, or there will be consequences. I love it. Is that it, Will? That's all we got? That's all we got. All right. If you wanted more... <laughs> Well, I, I'd say, you know, it's probably very easy for us to be honest with others, isn't it? And it's very honest for others to be easy with us. But I think where we all kind of stumble, and is the focus of today, is, is being honest with ourselves, right? We always have difficulty doing that. Uh, but, but if we're going to have these aha moments in our life, we have to be like the prodigal son, and we have to be honest with ourselves, even brutally honest. And so today we're going to jump into the verse, uh, Luke 15, 17. If you need a Bible today, we would love to give you a Bible. If you don't own one, we would love to bless you with one. If you just put your hand in the air like this, one of our service hosts will make sure that you have a Bible. This is yours to take home. Please put your name in it. Keep it. Write in it. Love it. But the verses will also be up on the screen as well, okay? And we'll be in Luke 15, verses 17 through 19. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, now look, this is his aha moment, right? This was his sudden awakening that we talked about last week. And by the way, if you've been missing these sermons, you can check them out. You can go to mysimplechurch.com 
All of our podcasts, like all of the messages, are posted there. You can also get them through uh, iTunes if you have an iTunes account. Just look up Simple Church Ohio. Everything is there. All right, so this is where he comes to his senses, and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So here we see the son has this sudden awakening, right? And this is that first element of aha. But he doesn't just just uh, uh, soak in the feeling for a little while. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't throw a pity party. He, he moves past that. And the text says, when he came to his senses, he said. Now here's what we know about this situation from the previous verses. This dude's sitting by himself. Right? So for the son to say, who is he talking to? He's sitting with a bunch of pigs. And unless you can tell me that pigs can talk, he's probably talking to himself. He's not being honest with anybody other than himself. So this is that moment where he has this brutal honesty once he, become, he becomes awakened to the, where he is in the middle of the pig pen. So we assume that he's talking to himself and he's honest with himself and he says to himself, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He's honest about his situation. You know, it's one thing to wake up to the fact that change needs to happen, but almost anyone can do that, right? But a lot of aha stories begin that never finish because they, they, uh, they, they never ever get to a place where you're being honest with yourself. Look, it's like getting educated to a level, that, but you never obey it, right? Like it's, it's a diet, right? You learn. Uh, let me tell you how many fad diets I know about and can talk to you about for hours. But let me ask you this. Do you, do you know how many I've actually tried? Let me turn to the side. I'm just saying, right? Yeah, where'd he go? What happened to him? I, I love you, dude. I do. <laughs> but a lot of aha stories begin this way, right? Like we get that awakening, but we don't get to that brutal honesty thing. It's like it's it's when you get winded by walking up a flight of stairs, but you but you never ever get onto the scale to see how bad the situation is, right? Or it's like uh, when you realize you hardly know your wife or kids. Um, but you kind of sweep that all underneath the rug and say, well, this is just part of being the provider of the household. I, I'm, just, I'm just busy. I'm not, I'm not going to get to know my wife and kids. Or it's when you get caught, but you lie to get out of trouble. Or it's when you're broken alone and you blame everything on everyone but yourself. So many potential aha stories start at that sudden awakening, but because brutal honesty is so difficult, they never make it to the end. Because aha is never easy. It just never is. But if we look closely, there are three different things in the parable of the prodigal son that require brutal honesty. And whether or not this is one of great, God's great aha stories hinges on the, the presence of the second ingredient of aha, which is that honesty. So in verse 17, we see uh, that the son is honest, first of all, about his circumstances. So we have to be honest about our circumstances. This is related to his sudden awakening last week, but it's just a step further, right? He doesn't just realize that he's in a bad place. He has to be brutally honest about the fact that he is in a pig pen. This isn't temporary. This isn't a work in progress situation. This is his current residence. This is where he lives, right? And he has to be honest with the fact about his choice to leave the father's house has led him to this place. When we find ourselves in the distant country, away from God's ways, when we find ourselves in the pig pen, hitting rock bottom, 
It tends to be much easier for others to see it well before we do, right? And the same is true the opposite way. It's pretty easy to see when other people have, have wandered off into the distant country, though it can be hard for them to admit it to themselves. And that's what, that's what makes this part of aha so difficult. Because we can see it in others, others can see it in us, we don't see it ourselves. In our minds, it's not been just one giant step of, of rebellion that has led us to where we're at. It's been a slow, a slow walk away, right? It's been a slow process where we take small steps and we eventually wind up in the distant country. For me, I'm just going to be honest with you, and this, this has been um, a little hard for me because as I prayed, like, Lord, what, what, what kind of stories should I tell? You know, who's, whose life should I, I uh, what story? Because this, this requires a story, right? You need to hear from somebody other than the prodigal son. He's a big man. You know, he's like a, he's just a story in the Bible. He's not even a real person. He's just a parable Jesus told. He's somebody he made up. Who, who, can I, who can I use real life situation? And, uh, and I felt the Lord speak to my heart. And he said, well, you're going to use yours. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Which one could I do? I could, I could talk about this one from my past. I could talk about this one. He said, no, 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 you're going to deal with your current sin. I said, okay, oh, thanks. So you want to talk about getting like a, a sudden awakening. Uh, this is where I get to be honest and, and kind of share my heart with you. I've put on 50 pounds since I planted this church. Since our team launched in May of 2013, 50 pounds. I got to a whopping 329 pounds. And I knew I was gaining weight. I could tell it. I, was, I had to pull my fat man jeans out of the closet. I wasn't able to wear the sizes I was wearing anymore. Couldn't wear my t-shirts anymore. I had to go up a step in my t-shirts. It was 3X. Had to buy new everything. I knew I was gaining weight, but I didn't step on a scale. I was like the prodigal son. Things are were, things were bad for me. My back is getting worse and worse. Look, I have a monthly appointment now, which I love, Massage Monday. I do, Jay. You're amazing. I love you. Seriously. My back loves you, too. But I have a chronic back condition that is, that is exacerbated or made worse by my weight. And so I'm finding more and more in my life that that I'm spending more time on the couch or on muscle relaxers to get my back to stop spasming. I'm in more pain than I regularly am, so how many evenings have I missed throwing the football with my kids? Or how many events or activities have I missed with my friends who are going out, you know, doing anything, anything active at all? Even going paintballing, to me, seemed like a task because I knew how my back was going to be. Some Sunday mornings standing here is difficult. I have pain shooting down my leg right now and in my back. And I, I, I have a chair, and they, they have it ready for me. But I kind of feel like that pain is keeping me alive right now. It's reminding me. It's my wake-up call. And so my situation, you know, I haven't hit rock bottom. I don't have a health situation. I, haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't have diabetes or anything that has been brought on by my weight. I have not hit rock bottom, but there are alarms going off in my life. And God has granted me the grace to be able to turn from that to look at my circumstances and say I need a change I need to change I need to do something different and the alarm has come in, in many different ways there's I have access to so much and so many people that love me my wife has actually been the one to lead the way and she's she has been my inspiration she's lost 50 pounds already she said I need help She's not here right now. She's, she's in the back. But when you see her, slap her a high five and tell her congratulations. She's actually lost over 50 pounds, I was informed this morning. 
show off. <laughs> but I watched her as she changed her life, as she answered. She had that awakening like, I'm, I'm too heavy. She said, I need, I need to do something about this. And she started doing something, and I watched her. I watched as the food that has come into our house has changed. I've watched as she's learned to prepare the food. And I've just stood there and watched, and the alarms are ringing in my head. She went to it and went and joined the gym and got a workout partner and has learned to do things and has goals. And I'm like, I watched. But the alarm's gone off for me, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for the friends that have helped her. I'm thankful for the dietitian that she pays for that I do not because I've been following that meal plan since. But I gained 50 pounds, folks. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen like, okay, start a church and bang, there's 50 pounds. It started with decisions, one after the other, right? One decision on top of the next decision on top of the next decision. And so for me, I, I, I realized that that I needed to do something about that. And so I was in, and I'm still in, my pig pen. But I've turned away from those things that have brought me there. And I'm headed home. I'm headed back to the Father's house. Because, believe it or not, this is not God's best for me. This is not. Now you say, Aaron, are you preaching a message on, on being overweight and everybody here feels like I'm not? It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is for me. This alarm is going off for me. We all have our pig pens that we're in. We have to be willing to be wakened to them. And to be honest about where we are before we can begin the road back home. So often when you're in that pig pen, you may regret the pig pen, right? Like I regret, I, I regret the condition of my body, but I have not regretted one bite of the food I have eaten to get here. Let me be honest with you. Give me a pizza and a Diet Coke. Let's roll. Let's go. I mean, because to be honest with you, doesn't a bacon cheddar pancake, a three stack of those just sound amazing? Bacon cheddar pancakes. Go to first watch. Seriously. <laughs> it does, right? Think about that. Bacon and cheddar baked into the pancake. You just it's, it's you know, it's less deciding. Do I eat the pancake first or the pancake or the bacon first? Which do I do? Put your hands together and eat them both at the same time. It's good. But there's little regret oftentimes about how you got into your situation, how you got to the pig pen. You you always regret the pig pen or the consequences of that pig pen. But brutal honesty about your circumstances in the distant country means admitting that you are, in fact, in a pig pen. And we all need to be honest with ourselves in that way. Because a pig pen is dirty, it's uncomfortable, and not at all what you thought it would be. If you're being honest with yourself. The next piece of that brutal honesty we see in the text is when the son says in 18, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Notice what he's not doing here. There is no blame shifting. He didn't say, well, it's your fault. You let me go. He didn't say, you know, it's mom's fault or my friend's fault. I saw him do this and it looked cool or it was, looked awesome over there in the distant country. Or, you know, you don't know what the girls look like over there, dad. Or you don't know what kind of life I could have had or thought I could have had or I had this dream. He didn't blame it on anything except himself. He was honest with himself. And he said what? I have sinned. I have sinned. And when you, when you come to that moment of brutal honesty, you own your part of being in the pig pen. You own it. You own what you have done to get you there. 
And when we find ourselves in that pig pen and are honest about the bleakness of our circumstances, the natural thing for us to do is to begin to blame other people, right? You can say, well, well, it's, it's my parents, right? My parents who were too controlling. Or we could say that, that my husband was too absent or my wife was too picky or, you know, my friends didn't accept me the way that I was. We can start pointing and we can start blaming anybody and everybody for the way that we are. But the truth is, I have sinned. That, that's what wound you up in your personal pig pen. And when you can own that, you can begin to turn away from it. The truth about the pig, what led to the pig pen is this. I have sinned. So for me, gaining the weight started out simply like this. Every time my wife and I went out to dinner, which was once or twice a week, I would splurge. I'd say, oh, we're only going to do this once a week. So I would get a bacon cheeseburger with a wedge of fried cheese on it and the onion straws and the barbecue sauce and the side of steak sauce and the fries with the bacon and cheddar. And I'm the only one that does this when they go out. Oh, and then I had an appetizer. No matter what it was, it probably had bacon and cheese on it as well with a side of ranch. And so, and so every time I went out, this, this once or twice a week, I would splurge because, hey, hey, we're not going to do this all the time. But that attitude, that unhealthy attitude, those choices remained with me. And when we planted this church, here's what happens as a pastor. I connect with people, right? I want to hear your story. I want to I grow with you. I, I want to walk this walk with you. And I want to I know who you are. And so here's what I do. This is what my week looks like a lot of times. Hey, let's get breakfast. Hey, let's get lunch. Hey, let's get dinner. Hey, let's get coffee. You go to coffee and get the right coffee at Starbucks. It's like 500 or plus calories, right? And so I, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm out connecting with people every time I go out, which is now five or six times a week. I'm splurging. See, it was okay that once a week. or kind of okay that once a week. But now I'm doing it every single time I go out. And so it's decision upon decision. And I had to own that. I couldn't blame it on my job. Well, my job requires me to go out. Look, nobody made me eat those bacon and cheese fries. You don't have to hold a gun to my head to get me to do that. Like, honestly, that's something I will readily do. Let's go. (laughs) It's true. But think about your pig pen. Think about how you got there. Is anybody holding a gun to your head to get you there? Or did you walk into it because... That's that's what you wanted to do. And it was decision after decision that you took you to that place. It wasn't anybody making you do it. It wasn't because of your upbringing. It wasn't because of, of your friends. It wasn't because of social pressure. It was your decision. And until you learn to own that and say, I have sinned, you, you, you don't get to have change. You, you just don't get to have it. And so my reputation preceded me. Look, if I go into First Watch and I order bacon cheddar pancakes, a three stack, I have been told by multiple servers there, I am the only man to do that in that place because those pancakes are huge. You can ask any of the staff that goes with me and have had breakfast. You've had breakfast with me there before. When they, come, when they see that three stack of bacon and cheddar pancakes come up in the window, they don't even have to look for the table number. They look for this guy. Right here. And they tell me that. And it's hysterical. And I loved it. Why? My reputation precedes me. I'm the only guy to do that. And time after time, every time I go in there, they know that's me. They don't don't even look. Nobody else's food comes out. Mine does. Because they know. They know who I am. 
And so it's a shock to them now that I'm ordering like chicken pesto quinoa stuff. They're like, no bacon cheddar pancakes? I'm like, no. No. But my reputation preceded me. And you know, sometimes we don't, we don't get a reputation. Only sometimes does this happen, but we don't get an instant reputation, folks. We get a reputation for every little decision that we make. Decision upon decision, how we behave at our work. We get a reputation for being the man or being the woman at being able to do our jobs or not do our jobs. We get a reputation in our community for how we behave. We get a reputation amongst our family, amongst our church. We get our reputation by every decision that we make. And I built a reputation. Now, sometimes you do get instant reputations, right, for, for one thing you did. Like one night in particular, I was performing at a restaurant, and I, uh, I, I had a deck of cards, and I had this fancy cut where I spin a card out and flies and lands over here, and I go, ta-da, that's your card, right? This particular time, I, my finger slipped, and I wound up shooting the girl in the eye, like literally in the eye with the card. It shot out of the deck, poked her in the eye. Instant reputation. <laughs> in fact, every trick that I did thereafter, she, the girl kind of flinched because she thought something was going to fly at her. Well, I mean, she flinched with the eyes she could see, you know, out of it. But, but we don't always have that opportunity to get an instant reputation, right? It, it's over time that we get a reputation. And that is your decision, time after time. The decisions that you make build your reputation. And we have to own that. We have to be honest with ourselves. That that's how we got that reputation was me, myself, and I. I did it. There's another element of honesty in the son's statement to himself in verse 19, and it's being honest about the consequences. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. He realizes that this is the consequence of his decision to walk away from the father's house. Because here's what happened. In saying, Dad, give me half of my inheritance, he basically said, Dad, I wish you were dead. And so he has to go back. He's headed back to the father's house to face his consequences. To face them because he knows that the consequences at the father's house are way less than the consequences of staying in the pig pen. Where he ultimately would be destroyed and could have his life end. But he could head back to the father's house where the father's servants have food to spare. And so he says, he says, Dad, make me like one of your hired servants, your hired men. The son knows that he hasn't just hurt himself in this situation. He's hurt dad. He has an older brother as well who he left behind, right? And dad's got a plantation or a farm or something. He has money. And the brothers worked on the land. And whatever it was that they did, they probably worked together. And when he bailed, he probably left his portion of the work to his brother. And so he's got a guy that he bailed on and left behind his brother. He's got to go back and face his brother. What about mom? Even though mom's not mentioned in the story, how heartbroken was mom when her son went to the man who brought him into this world and said, I wish you were dead. Peace. Deuces and duck lips. I'm out. How was mom's heartbroken? What about the community that he has to face? Because the community would have known what would have happened. And in, in that time, in that, in that kind of culture, the community could have, by all rights, beaten him if he came back into the city out of respect for the father that he disrespected. And he was going back to face those consequences. And while God oftentimes, not oftentimes, always forgives the guilt of our sin and the eternal punishment we deserve, that doesn't mean that there are no consequences for our sin. It doesn't mean that there aren't. 
The son knows what he'll have to face, and we have to be honest about what we are going to have to face when we say, I have sinned. I have sinned. And when you have this sudden awakening in the distant country, you'd rather face those consequences than the consequences of staying in the pig pen, right? Whatever your pig pen is, for you, it, it may not be a weight issue. It may be a relational issue. It may be your marriage. It may be your employer. It may be a lot of things. I don't know what your living situation is like. It may all be found there, but wherever that pig pen is, it is not God's best for you. And you have to own your part in what got you there. You know, the consequences that I'm now facing for gaining weight is I have to apologize to my kids. Because how many nights have I missed throwing a football? How many events have I missed with them? How many times have I had to say, Dude, I, I just can't? I have to apologize to my wife. Can't always do the work around the house. The laundry sits in baskets for a couple of days sometimes because I can't sit on the floor and fold my laundry. It's my back. That is, it's caused the weight issue causes that problem with my back. I'm not as mobile. I, I, I can't do as many things, so I can't always mow the grass. I have to now pay for somebody to do that. Which my son loves, by the way. Or even, let's, come, let's bring it here. There's some days I have to sit in a chair when I'm here. And then when we have teardown, or when we do setup, I, I'm, not as, I'm not as valuable a team member as the rest of them because I can't carry things. That's the consequences of my sins, my decision. I can't, I can't pick up heavy things. They go out here, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that. That's because they love me. But if I'm being honest, my back condition could be a lot better if I lose weight. If I didn't make all these selfish decisions for myself. And so here I am today, some of you for the first time hearing it, others of you that sat here first service and are here again or hearing me say again that I'm sorry for that, that I've placed the burden of that on them. And they do it because they love me and I love them for loving me. But my decisions affect them. And so I have to face the consequences of that. The other consequences of that is I have to go to a gym as often as I possibly can. Now, some of you say, oh, that's great. Not for me. Look, I am like the least manly man up in the gym, right? Because I'm, I'm in the gym and I'm sweating and it's because I walked from my car to the treadmill that I'm sweating, right? It's not because I've been doing anything. It's like, I am like, I, I do not feel awesome in the gym. Therefore, I do not enjoy it. I'm also on a rigorous diet that, you know, once I get to my goal weight, I'll be able to enter a maintenance phase. It would be very different for me. These, these are the consequences of my sin. But I have to own those. I have to face those every single day. And they're not pleasant. They're not fun. They're difficult. But this is what we have to do if we're going to be honest with each other. Am I making today all about me and all about a diet plan? No. But I'm, I'm following after what God told me to share today. So can you own your sin? And then can you own the consequences? You know, maybe you need to apologize to somebody. Maybe you need to own your part in the, in the fight. Maybe you need to humble yourself. Say, you know what? I realize this whole situation is not all my fault, but I want to own my part. Whatever that looks like, whatever your pig pen looks like, until you are willing to be so honest with yourself, and then honest with others, in a way that you face those consequences, you cannot see lasting change in your life. You cannot have an aha moment. You know, as I walk this road of, of, 
of health for me. I'm looking forward to healing, not only physically, but emotionally as well. I'm looking forward to my relationships with my kids improving. I'm looking forward to my relationship with my wife and my church and my community to become stronger. Why am I looking forward to that? Because James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Look, as I've, as I've confessed my sin to my wife and said, I've sinned against you in gaining so much weight. I've sinned against my family and owning my part, owning every decision I've made to arrive at this point. I've confessed that to her. And you know what my wife has done? She's prayed for me. On my toughest days, when I'm texting her and I'm saying, I'm about to order a pizza, babe, you don't understand. She's there to encourage me and she texts me, I'm proud of you and I'm praying for you. Look, I have lost 30 pounds since I started this and I'm not looking for a round of applause. I've got, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm not looking for that. I'm looking to tell you, I've got a long way to go. My wife, who's lost 50 pounds, has been an inspiration to me and a rock to me. She's prayed for me and she texts me and let me know, hey, I'm praying for you today. I believe in you today. Last night, man, if I wait too long, I get too hungry, dude, and I'm about to make a bad decision. I can call her and I can tell her. I confess that, that fault in me. Last night, Will even tell you, man, we almost took off and went and got some wings or some pizza. I almost slammed something because I waited six hours to eat and it was hectic for me. I was about done. But my wife was like, I'll go home with you. She knew not to leave me alone. She knew I'd make a bad decision. Will went home and did a bonfire instead of us going out, which was probably the best thing for me. He didn't know that, but... Yeah, thank you, Will. I appreciate that. But my wife, my wife went home with me, and she stayed home instead of going to the bonfire because she knew where I was. Look, when we can confess our sin to each other, and we can own our part, somebody will be there to pray with you, to be accountable with you, to help you walk this out. And you know what happens? There's healing. There is healing found in confession, not just to God, but to those that you have offended. To those that you have sinned against. And so I I love getting those text messages. I love that support. And I am successful because of the grace of God and my wife. But I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't owned it. And I'm not saying for you to applaud that. I'm telling you that you can have the same thing. You have to do the same things. You cannot miss this brutal honesty. You have to have it if you want lasting change. I don't know where your pig pit is today, because we all have them. But if we want to get out, we have to be willing to accept our part. We have to own our sin, and therefore the consequences of it. Brutal honesty is one of the most difficult parts of this whole thing. Because you can hear the alarm and you can wake up to it. You can educate yourself. You can learn what you need to do and how to respond. But until you're honest with yourself about how you got there, you'll never deal with that. You'll never act on those things that you've learned. Or be able to respond properly. And I don't know what you need to be honest about today. But for most of us, it's probably time to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest. It's not enough just to be awakened to the fact that we're in the distant country. We have to be willing to own it. To be brutally honest about where we are. What got us there. And what's going to happen from here. So what I'd like to do today is just to kind of. I'd like to close with this. I want to do a little, a little exercise in being honest with yourself. So I would ask for all of you just to close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. Close your eyes. I promise I'll close in just a moment.
But I want you to be honest. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. I don't need your responses. But I want you to practice being honest with yourself. And let God show you places in your life where you've left his house and are wandering in the distant country. Some of these are not going to be applicable to you. Others of these are going to smack you dead in the face. You're not going to enjoy this. I did this same thing. And I stood in front of a mirror and I asked myself these questions. And I answered them honestly. And they led to some brokenness. And to some humbling and some repentance and some prayer. My prayer is that it will, it will do the same for you if you will allow it. So here, are, here they are. When was the last time you told your kids you loved them? When was the last time you thought about how someone else might feel because of your actions? How long has it been since you went above and beyond to show your spouse how much you care? When was the last time you apologized first? How long has it been since you've done something for someone anonymously? When was the last time you gave more than the usual in a given month towards kingdom work? In the past week, how have you spent your money like Jesus would have? Who's someone you know who needs help financially that you can help? When was the last time you spent more time with your kids than your coworkers? How long has it been since you've given up your Saturday to help someone move? When's the last time you lost track of time serving someone else? How long has it been since you've turned off your cell phone, didn't care what time it was, and went on a date with your spouse or spent time with your kids? Who's the last person who really got your undivided attention? When's the last time you controlled your temper instead of losing it? How long has it been since you were patient with the waiter or waitress at a busy restaurant? When's the last time people thought you looked more like Jesus than yourself in a stressful situation? You know, you say, Aaron, I don't like these questions. Why? Well, because they hurt too much to answer them. I understand that. But friends, I'm telling you, if you just practice being honest with yourself, you can see the lasting change that you desire in your life. The sins and the things that have brought you to the pig pen, you can leave behind. But it starts with being honest. So I'm going to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, Aaron, pray for me because I'm going to, I'm going to begin being honest with myself. Brutally honest. Because I want to see change in my life. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, would you raise your hand? Let me know that you're here. <laughs> Appreciate those hands. Father, I pray for every, every heart in this place. I know what brutal honesty does to a heart. It can be depressing. It can be life-shattering. It can be overwhelming when you're honest with yourself. It can be overwhelming when you're honest about what got you there. And you feel the shame and the regret of all your decisions. The regret of where you are. And you don't look forward to making amends or facing the consequences 
of those decisions. I, I know that overwhelming feeling, but I pray today for every heart in this room that is ready to be honest with themselves, Lord. That as they are, Father, that first, that they would know that you have forgiven them for all of their sins if they will just ask. And that they don't need to bear the shame of those decisions. They just need to move forward. Move forward towards you. Because God, the way this story ends is that the, the son turns and heads home and the father is there, not waiting for him on a, on a you know, in, in his chair, in, in his lounge, smoking a pipe. He's on the front porch looking for him and sees him in the distance. And, and God, you are looking for us to turn from our pig pen, from our distant country being far from you and turning back to you. So I pray that as we do, God, your love would surround us. The shame and the guilt of our decisions that led us there would be lifted from us. And that we could run towards you with faith. With faith instead of fear. With faith that you will grant us the grace and the strength to face the consequences that are there. That you will give us the wisdom and understanding we need to be honest with ourselves. I pray that for every person in this room. God, just surround us with your love and enable us to see lasting change in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This time I'd like to invite our service hosts to come.